Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, you have called us from this big city into this quiet place to hear your life-giving word. Lord, we sit at your feet in expectation that you would indeed challenge us, would speak the words that no man can speak, words that give life and meaning in a world of entertainment and distraction and confusion. Father, we pray that we could cast off our, our, our tiredness, our distractedness, and that we can hear and take that to heart and it could bear fruit for your glory. Lord, work in spite of the weakness of your servant. We also pray for the needs, Lord, that we know around us, those who need spiritual healing, those who need physical healing, Lord, and those who are unable to be here and are isolated and need encouragement and visitation. Lord, we pray for your work and that we could also be willing to be your hands and feet. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was very striking to me this morning um, as we uh, read through the gospel passage and, and I had in my heart, the Lord laid on my heart earlier this week to, to, to meditate on that exact question that we were left with this morning. Um, in the same parallel passage found in Matthew chapter 16 and it seems that the Lord really uh, had this all in mind and it was working independently in the hearts of uh, both my dear brother Phil and myself. <clears throat> so we're going to pick up exactly where we left off this morning um, after you know the temptation, the feeding of the 4,000 and, and uh, the, the, the question about uh, the leaven. Uh, and we're going to start reading in verse 13 of chapter 16 of the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew chapter 16, starting to read at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, and some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. 
From that time forth began Jesus to show to his disciples how that he must go on to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. One of the uh, blessings of being actually in Israel, in the very place where these things happened, was uh, Brother Jose Cervantes uh, said, it's kind of like you're looking through a mirror that's all fogged up in the morning because of the steam, and then when you know the, the steam is cleared, all of a sudden you get to see those details a lot more clearly. And he felt like you know the things that he was reading in the scripture, now he could see clearly. And, and this was definitely true for me in this passage. Um, there were a lot of things I didn't understand about this passage until we were actually there in Israel. Starts off saying, uh, Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, and due to the King James uh, words there, the coasts, you know, I thought, oh, we're talking about somewhere on the coast, of, I'm thinking Tyre and Sidon on the coast of the Mediterranean, but no, this is actually not um, anywhere near the coast. This is talking about the borders of, is the King James word for that. And Caesarea Philippi is, it's not some place you, you just walk past, and our tour guide kind of made the point, and maybe I can make it here, that say, you know, uh, say this pulpit area was the Sea of Galilee, it's um, 20 miles uh, a length, and if you want to know where is Caesarea Philippi, it is, you know, out past the front doors. It's, it's not close by. And all of Jesus' ministry, most of it was in the, that Jewish northwest um, section of the Sea of Galilee. You've got Capernaum, you've got Magdala, you've got Chorazim, you've got Bethsaida, the ones mentioned in those woe unto you because that's where Jesus was spending his time in this, this Jewish corner. Uh, the, the, what, this uh, eastern side was, was uh, a pagan side, and that's actually where we had the uh, feeding the 4,000 this morning. But Caesarea Philippi, that was quite a ways away. It was three and a half days' journey. So it wasn't like Jesus was walking past this random location and stopped and asked this question to disciples. He went three and a half days out of his way walking to the very tip of the Jordan uh, River, uh, where it kind of comes out of the springs of Mount Hermon, to ask this question because there's something about that place that gives context to this question and especially to his response. Um, <clears throat> in Israel, water is a big deal. It's, it's uh, you know, if you can really see that uh, without water, it's, it's a desert and you know, just dry and lifeless, but where there's water, there's life. Especially you see that in the Dead Sea, the En Gedi Springs, and all of a sudden you got life in the middle of the desert. And, and, and Galilee is life because of the Jordan. And the Jordan gets its water from Mount Hermon. There's, there's three springs. And the, from those three springs, 
the entire ecosystem of the entire country depends on, on the water that's flowing from the, the melt of, of the Mount Hermon. In one of those springs is very dramatic. There's this cave uh, in the, this big massive rock, red rock face at the foot of Mount Hermon. And in this cave, uh, when the spring melt, when it rains, we have this gush of water coming out. And the pagans long before Christ, you know, saw this and said, this is clearly, you know, the hand of God supplying and giving us life. And they worship this place. They, they called it the, um, the, the gates of hell. They called it, they figured this was the mouth of Hades, to have, of hell itself. And they would they'd offer their goat or whatever it was. Hopefully it was just an animal. And, you know, they, 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 they would throw it in there. And if the gods answered, you know, then it would sink down without blood, you know, and be swallowed up. And if it was rejected, it would float with, uh, with the blood there. And then they knew, like, they, they, they had this real superstition about this place. And then um, Philip uh, decided to, he was kind of, he was one of the sons of Herod, and he got that kind of section of, uh, on the northeast section. And he called that he, decided to really make this a tribute to the powers of the day. And, you know, it was, it was interesting and it was quite a contrast to, to what we were seeing. We're seeing some rocks that were kind of discovered after the 67 war and the Jews finally had access to that part of the country. Before that, they were in, in this Jordan Valley being shelled by Syria uh, and you know they would only come out at nighttime and do their farming because otherwise they would be killed But when they finally had access that there's just a few rocks here That's all that we've got left, but it's quite clear. You've got these niches carved out of the rock wall You've got these platforms and a few bases of pillars um, and uh, But they have a depiction of what it was at the time of Jesus and you've got massive stone uh, basilicas and temples. And you can see how Satan is, he's just such a counterfeiter. He's a, he's a copier, he, he's not original. And this, there's this, you know, before the mouth of this river, there was this temple. And, uh, you know, grand, you know, uh, Herodian uh, style temple and guess what's coming out of that temple is water the water of the life that this whole country depends on and and you can get the symbolism right you know this is power that brings you life right and and he, I say he's a, he's a ripoff artist because this is this is from the Bible right we see in Ezekiel's vision you've got you know, the, the, the temple and the water that comes out of it that brings life to the nations. We see in, in, in Revelations that in heaven you've got the very throne of God and the water that comes out from that steps of the throne of God, that's going to be for the healing of the nations and the fruit that's going to bear its season. And that's kind of the whole depiction of heaven is, is you've got this, this water, this source, that God is the source of life and healing and blessing for you 
And now you've got this kind of twisted and you've got, no, 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 it's us. The power of these gods, the power of Rome, this is what brings you life. Now, the question is now, why is Jesus taking these, you know, faithful Jews into the very heart of pagan, you know, there's no, no self-respecting Jew who would want to be caught dead in this this heart of pagan worship. Why is he taking him there? And why is he asking him these questions? As we heard this morning, the first question, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? What do people say about Jesus? Right? You know, we... We've got different religions, different viewpoints. Everyone has to acknowledge, well, I mean, some will try to say he didn't live, but that's, you know, certainly flying against the facts that there was no historical Jesus. Some say, oh, he's a good person. It's kind of hard to deny that. Oh, he was a good teacher. Um, You know, they're saying he was a prophet. I mean, the, the, the... the um, Muslim um, religion also sees Jesus as a prophet, Isa, and that he was also uh, born in, uh, you know, in uh, immaculate conception and miraculous birth. Uh, they just disagree about the part that Peter said, right? But even logically, even logically, and C.S. Lewis kind of brings the trilemma there right, of, of whom do you say that Jesus is, because it matters. Jesus, of course, takes that question from whom do men say that I am to whom do you say that I am? And that's the question that we have to answer, and it's a question that matters. And Jesus went through all this effort to set this up because it matters very much how you are going to answer that question this afternoon. Whom do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? Like we said, whom do men say that I am? If we we try to get away with, uh, logically, the trilemma says, well, you know, there's logically only three possibilities. Jesus claims to be the Son of God. So either he is lying or he's self-deceived. He's lying to you or he's lying to himself or he is what he says he is. Either it's true or it's not. And if it's true, either he knows it or he doesn't. I mean, that's, you know, we're going down that decision tree. There's no other logical possibilities, right? So he cannot be a prophet He cannot be a good teacher with good morals that we kind of disagree with, especially the more inventive we get. He cannot, because a good teacher wouldn't lie to you about something as important as being the Son of God. A good teacher isn't crazy and out of touch with reality. So because he claims to be the Son of God, you're really left with only one logical possibility. 
that he is who he says he is. But, but you have to decide what you are going to say about who Jesus is because for you personally, it has ramifications. It changes the source of your own life. As I know Brother Phil has often mentioned, uh, I think he's quoting from Tozer, but I'm quoting from him because he's, I don't forget who he's quoting from. Now, it, it's more important, the most important thing about you is what you think about God. Who do you think he is? And so this question determines the most important thing about you. What's your source? So the group of us, there were some 36 of us, we're sitting in the shade of a tree facing this panorama. And the guide is saying, you know, this was a supermarket. It was a supermarket of gods. You know, if you didn't like, you know, Zeus, you had Nemesis next to him. And if you didn't like him, you had Pan next to him. And, and there, there was like, it wasn't just one temple. There was like a set of about six or so. If you got this one didn't answer, you know, you go on down the list. In this world, this world has very intimidating power structures that you might be standing in front of. <clears throat> and they may claim to be the source of your supply, of what all that you need. <coughs> Maybe you're, you're impressed with military power and the latest who's making the best hypersonic missiles or drones or you know the things that are re-changing warfare and now of course it's cyber warfare and you know who's really got the military power to exert their will on this planet who's projecting that or or maybe you know you're looking at political power you know who's 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 making the decisions you know, we've got, you know, the, the government and then there's the shadow government and then there, there's the who people behind that. And who's really controlling what actually gets done? Because some things are kind of suspicious, right? They're not logical, the decisions that are being made. They're benefiting not the people. So who's really got the political power? And, you know, am I going to cross them? Am I going to have the courage to to stand up for what I think of when these people seem to be able to, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you can be very popular and famous and you can get canceled from one day to the next. <clears throat> or maybe you get impressed with economic power, right? Who's got, you know, uh, the, the, the money and the ability to, you know, use wealth to get what they want and to impress others or who's got the popularity and the followers and and the, the the social impact right these are all a super market of gods in the words of our guide and which one do we trust in we can say things but when it says, whom do you say that I am, he's not talking about merely words coming out of your mouth. Our actions say who we really trust. Our focus, the time we spend, our decisions. Romans tells us with the mouth, 
confession is made unto salvation with a heart we believe and guard the issues of your heart because that's and that's are the issues of life and that determines our salvation Simon has an answer thou art the Christ the promised Messiah and deliver we heard this morning about this this barren desert and how this glorifies a God who can redeem and the Redeemer the Messiah the one who's going to come into a messed up world the Messiah who can take the mess and make it into something redeemed and beautiful and right and at one with a God again that's who Jesus is he is not just a prophet he's not just a man coming to overthrow political military economic or popularity contests he's coming to deal with spiritual realities and make you free not from economic oppression not from people who are imposing on your will systems of speech or morality or whatever he's making you free from your own inability to do what you know what is right and to have a relationship with God thou art the Christ the son of the living God there's no supermarket here there is one God and it's not up to you to manipulate with your sacrifice or your lip service or with your um, <clears throat> whatever you try to do to, to gain favor with whatever system you trust. There is one God who created all things and before we all stand. There is one throne from which there is one stream that will meet your needs. Jesus answered, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. The spiritual blindness. God takes the initiative. <clears throat> he comes to you this afternoon and he opens your eyes to a reality beyond what you can see. Perhaps Perhaps the hymn writer was blessed that they were not distracted by the Fanny Crosby, by the things that she could see. Because we need to see beyond to what the things that endure. Flesh and blood wasn't revealed to you by what people said to you. God himself spoke into your heart and revealed to you this truth. And this truth is critical. I ask you, has God revealed himself to you? Have you opened up your heart and allowed him to impress upon you who he is and that he is your source? And you need not turn to these empty, manipulative, self-serving institutions. And I say unto you, says Jesus to Peter, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter, in Greek, Cephas, 
It was a nickname. He was actually called Simon. But Jesus nicknamed him Peter as being a rock. But the rock, and, and again, remember, we're sitting there seeing this massive, sheer rock face. But that's not the rock, the impressive as it is, that we're going to build this church on. We're not going to build it on these stones as glistening and polished as they are. We're not even going to build it on the man, Peter, because a few verses later, he's being called Satan because he's, he's looking after the thing, savoring, he's delighting, he's wanting the things that be of men rather than those that be of God. The rock is the answer you give to the question. As you believe what God is impressing on you even this afternoon, that he is the answer. He is the son of the living God. He is your supply. And you build your faith on that. Not only will you endure, you will overcome the gates of hell. Remember, you've got, as we heard, this ragtag group of fishermen staring at, you know, the most impressive, or well, quite impressive, most oppressive in the region, vestiges of power, spiritual, military, uh, political power. This is you will overcome the gates of hell you're facing. What are we facing? We face, it's, it's Pride Month. It's everywhere. Can't get away from it. Can't say anything against it or else. I had to take my sensitivity training again, six months later, because they've updated it, because we've added categories. It's not just about, you know, not saying and doing inappropriate things with those of the unwanted get gestures with those of the opposite sex or whatever. That, that's not, that's being, you know. Now we've got to add transgenderism and things like that. And now if I don't use the right pronoun, I will be fired. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's pressure, right? Economic pressure. Is that my economic supply? Is that what I'm going to trust in because I can easily be taken away. In fact, what I'm doing right now, because right there in my sensitivity training, if you say something in private on an alternate forum and someone hears it, you know, and they feel therefore uncomfortable in your workplace, that's grounds for dismissal. Oh well, I may, uh, I may not have my job, but that is not my supply. And we need to be willing to have the courage to stand up to even what seems insurmountable, like you're, you're this unlearned fisherman, you're facing this temple. And it looks like, wow, they got the power. Well, us, 35 pilgrims, standing in that place, and those temples are gone. All that polished stone washed away and rubble and tumbled here and there, 
Those columns are down. Those niches are empty. But the parking lot is full of Christians. Maybe 20 buses full coming to see the place where Jesus asked the question, Whom do you say that I am? The gates of hell are gone. But Christ and those who confess his name are here. What are you going to trust in? Are you going to savor the things of men? Because Jesus gets plain. This isn't going to be a walk in the park. It's not like I've got the magic power now and nothing can withstand me. The path to overcoming the gates of hell for Jesus was to die, to be rejected, ridiculed, to suffer, and then to die and be resurrected and break from the inside the power of sin, the power of death, to tear those bars away from the inside, having gone through and having taken on my sin and my, what the suffering I deserved, to go into the very heart where no one has, a, has ever come through and to tear it apart from the inside and to come out a victorious. In our path to victory is not to, to stand on a tourist spot and say, we won. Our path to victory is to follow, to take up our cross, as we read here, to deny. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up this cross and follow me, says the next verse. Whoever will save his life shall lose it. Whoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. <coughs> for what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. These power structures that look so intimidating, they're temporary. Jesus, he's coming back. He's coming back and we will all kneel before him. Will we be kneeling in adoration or in fear? Will we have chosen to savor the things of God, though they come at a price, though it makes no sense, but trusting and believing that Jesus is going to be on the other side? Or will we savor the things of men, the path that is easier, the path that is obvious, the path that is wide, and find ourselves in fear on that last day? Whom? Do you say that Jesus is? Whom do you say that I am? Let's each think of that and think of our lives as was prayed. Does that, what's reflected in my choices? Do I believe he's the son of the living God? Do I worship this, the one who spoke this world into being and I'm kind of worried about, stressed out about 
things that are totally under his control? Do I make compromises? Let's believe in the pure source, the uncorrupted source, the one that's going to bring healing, especially as I let it flow through me. Whom do you say that he the Son of Man is? That we conclude this afternoon's service.